post-Thanksgiving day. And personally, on a personal note, I'm so grateful because it's over, because we had so much food, I'm still full from Thursday. If you want some pie, come over this afternoon because it's going to be thrown out later this, this afternoon. It will be, yeah. So, it's um, always encouraging uh, to get the Southwest and the Northwest together. Uh, just our relationships, our friendships, and the whole church, and sometimes when you can do things between different regions or sectors, it, it always just keeps those, uh, those bonds tight. And uh, so it's so encouraging seeing so many great friends. Um, we had a, a number of people baptized over the last couple of weeks, and we have another one today. I want to uh, have everyone rejoice with a Shola Omonaje. Where is she at? Have her stand. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. She is being baptized this afternoon at 1230 here in Grapevine. So uh, it's going to be very exciting. Okay, no, that's good. I, I thought we were having an earthquake or something. Amen. <laughs> so it, it's so encouraging, so exciting. So not only uh, for you, but the family. Uh, what a blessing. And uh, her brother's back from college, and so I'd like to hear how he did in this uh, first uh, half year, I guess. We'll find out more later. So, but I want to get in the scriptures. Let's get into the Bible here. If you're uh, in the Northwest, um, we've kind of been all over the place, uh, but when I've preached the last few times, the last couple times, I've been doing a series uh, on Genesis. And long story short, you look at chapter 1 through 6, you see Adam hide from God, quit walking with God. You see his son Cain walk away from God. And then you see Noah, who not only walked with God, but he saved himself, he saved his family, and he saved the world. And those few chapters set up Abraham. And we're not going to look at Abraham today. I want to stay in that one through six sweet spot. And today I want to talk about rebellion in the midst of order. Because if you understand Genesis, God is creating order out of chaos. God was trying, not was trying, God was developing the earth, man, woman, out of chaos. And really the warning from 1 through 6 is, even though God is creating order out of chaos, chaos is never far away. And chaos will come again, and you see that in the flood. When's our flood going to hit? How's chaos show up in our life? And for those of us who, who've maybe been around for a little while, we have scars, we have wounds because of chaos. And so we see now rebellion. And this is not a Thanksgiving lesson. I already, did, I already gave kudos to Thanksgiving when I said I was already full. <laughs> so if you're visiting with us today and expecting a Thanksgiving lesson, 
I'm sorry. I apologize. Come up and talk to Patty afterwards. Amen. <laughs> so Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. Set the scene, the scenario. Chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Every tree in the garden was pleasant to the sight and good for food. That's important. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it says a river flowed. I don't know about you. And I don't know about what you think would be a nice backyard or not. But if you could have these qualities in your backyard, including a river flowing, I'd say that's pretty good. And then a little bit later, in chapter 2 and verse 15, it continues. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, or eat of it, you shall surely die. You know, I don't know what your backyard looks like. Some of us probably have no green thumbs, and it's just a patch of dead, hard ground, and, and we just don't do much with it. Maybe we cut our grass. Maybe we, we make it look nice, and, and we plant things. Maybe we have some bushes. I know some of us like to garden, and, and so we have things. I have actually three raised beds, and, and I like to garden. I don't get a lot of sun, but I enjoy to garden. And you know what? If I can get a few tomatoes and, and some jalapenos and some herbs, I'm a happy man. I know some of us, man, we figured out we're the angle of the sun. We know where it's coming in, the morning sun, and we grow things. Robert Morris, for instance, and you go there, and it's like, I hate you. How can you grow this in Texas? And you see this garden, and you're like, man, that'd be nice. It's sweet. And, it's, and it looks good. It's sweet. It's pleasant for a reason. Even continues in chapter 2, verse 25, and it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I mean, not only have a nice yard, but you can walk around in the nude. And, and you're not ashamed. I, mean, I don't want to go there, but I'm so tempted to go there. All I know is that one day, because I had fatigue because of a transcontinental flight, I was losing my mind because of uh, I was sleepwalking. And I literally, if the alarm didn't go off, I was about to walk outside of my house in my underwear at about 3 in the morning. But hey, I wouldn't have been ashamed because I was sleepwalking. Now I would have scarred some other people. But you know, you look at John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Now, is this scripture in correlation with Eden? Not really, but yes. Because, see, it shows the heart of our Father. What's God want for us? He wants us to be complete. Man, life is good. A clear conscience. Man, we're unified with God. We're unified with each other. Blessed. We have a purpose. There's peace. No chaos. Man, life's good. Can you just appreciate that? Just appreciating life is good. And I don't even want to say anything like, like sarcastic or like, you know, the Cowboys win another game or, you know, or just, just, just life is good. You can, just, you can just settle in that and sit down and appreciate it and look and life is good. God loves me. I have a clear conscience. My relationships are good. I'm walking with the Father. I got a river in my backyard. But see, God says just one thing. Don't. Don't bite that apple. Now, you look at the text, and I always get a big kick out of this because we always think of the text, and we say, oh, the fruit of the tree was an apple. Nowhere does it say an apple tree. But it just says, don't eat of the tree. But for your sake, okay, apple. (laughs) Don't eat the apple. God is like, in your face, in in a pleasant way, don't eat this apple. You can do anything else. You can walk around naked. I don't care. Don't eat the apple. Don't eat it. Don't. You got 99% of what you want. You got 99% of what you want. You got the garden. It goes through. It's awesome. It's incredible. You got a river behind your backyard. You're healthy. You got a great relationship with me. You got a great relationship with your wife or your spouse, your friends. You got it made 99%. But what, what do we think about? Oh, it's that 1%. And I that 1%. Why is God so restrictive and mean and he dictates and, and he, he doesn't want me to have that 1%. So I got three simple points. The tree. Point number one, the tree. Does that hit you? Is that getting you going? The tree. You know, we know what trees are. I'm not going to put another picture of a tree. You know what a tree is. But let's look at the next part of that phrase, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, now here's a challenge that we have today. Okay, I'm talking theory. But you you got to be able to be practical and, and apply theory. So what we're going to have to do is that when we talk about theology and theory of God, okay, well, how is this practical in my life today? And that's where the rub comes in. 
So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what's important to understand is that that fruit of the tree was not like some sort of switch. It's like you go into a room and you flip the switch, and all of a sudden you see, you understand. It's not that at all. Don't think about that way. In fact, it's an active phase, a phrase. It's referring to the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. It actually refers to discernment between good and evil. It's about making wise, mature judgments. To lack it is to be immature, like a child. You know, in Deuteronomy, you have the children of the wilderness generation. And in in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse uh, 39, it says, As for your little ones, whom you said would become prey, and your children who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. Basically, they lack the knowledge of good and evil. They were not morally blameworthy. It's, it's simply natural. A child does not comprehend this. But, at the same time, for those of us who should be farther along, for those of us who have been walking for a while, you know, the writer Hebrews goes after this in chapter 5. Good, the knowledge of good and evil is expected. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, I'm just going to read verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Do you want to be a superhero? Do you want to have a special power? Here it is. Your power, you can distinguish, you can, the powers of discernment trained by constant practice. That's the power that each one of us should have. The powers of discernment that's trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That's what God wants us to learn how to do, to grow, to mature, to understand. No, that's not good. Yes, this is better. No, I shouldn't do this. Yes, I need to be doing this. The, this, the rub here in, in Genesis was that, again, remember the fruit of all the trees were good for food and all the trees looked good? They were all good for food, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because God has given all the trees, all the fruit to Adam and Eve. Don't eat this one. But at the end of the day, I believe that if Adam were were growing in wisdom and maturity and demonstrated over a period of time the capacity to truly discern the difference between good and evil, that fruit would have been for his to eat also. God's plan, in my mind, 
was for Adam to grow in discernment, to learn obedience, self-discipline, self-control, to trust his father, which would have then increased his wisdom and knowledge and understanding and freedom. And then when he grew in freedom, he would have had the freedom to choose any fruit in the garden. So what did the tree mean? Well, the tree was the testing point. Will he obey or will he eat? Will he do it God's way or will he do it his way? The tree represented for Adam a choice. The choice of how he was going to get to that knowledge of good and evil. Would he submit to God's plan or his plan? Would he pursue independence? Or would he choose fear of God, the beginning of wisdom? Or judging for himself, which was good and evil? So that's what the tree represents. You know, how, how do you make that practical? You know, when I was in chiropractor school, um, I was finishing up, had like the last year left to go, and I was in clinicals. And I still had to pay my bills, so I had, I had two jobs. Worked at a golf course, and I worked parking cars. The better paying jobs was parking the cars, and you'd get tips. But the problem was, I wouldn't, I'd work till like 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And, and you're, you're working, parking cars, and you got all sorts of people clubbing and coming in, and, and you're outside in the rain or the cold or outside, and inside, boom, 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 and everyone's boom, 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 and drinking and getting drunk and throwing up, and boom, boom, boom. And I'm outside in the cold and trying to make a couple bucks, and boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, hey, I want to go inside. I want to dance. I want to get something to drink. I don't have to make $4 an hour plus tips. I'd rather go do that. But, you know, and, and I had to discern which is better. Now, you know what? I mean, I'm okay with a glass of beer. I'm not against drinking a glass of wine. But if I would have... It's like, no, nah, I can't. I got to work. I got to make some money. I got to be able to pay my bills. I got to do this. And so I chose. So what's your tree? What's, what's your tree? What, what areas of your life right now you're, you're being trained in discernment? Well, you know, welcome to the rest of your life. You're going to be looking at this tree the rest of your life. You're going to do it God's way? That's, that's this way. God's way? Okay, it's clear. Or, or am I going to do it my way? Now, point number two is the lie. Okay, these are captivating points. And, you know, if you really want to follow them along, you just pull out your, your phone you get on our new church app, or actually our updated church app, and then you just go to the Northwest or Southwest service, and you hit notes, and you're just like, I can follow along with Todd. 
And I could even write notes. What do you mean, really? Where were you last couple of weeks? What region are you in? Who said that? Probably someone from the Southwest. Amen. So, all right. So you. So point number two is the lie. Point number one, remember? The tree. Point number two, the lie. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, why does it have to be a guy? Why does it have to be a he? Aren't we supposed to be equal and all that kind of stuff? Why we can't make the snake a woman? Okay, she said. She said. But the text says he said to the woman. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now we know from the text that the serpent was crafty. Got a nice little picture here of a, of a serpent. The deceiver, if we, if we understand theology and look at the, the bigger picture, the deceiver, he's crafty. And you know what's interesting is that neither Adam and Eve were alarmed in their interaction with this crafty serpent. And you, know, and you look at this picture and it's like, hey, you know, the, it doesn't look, it looks harmless, it's resting, you know, it's just chilling. Hey, let's have a talk. Let's have a talk with a talking snake. I mean, you know, there's some things that would just make you like, okay, wait a second, what's going on here? Talking donkey, a talking snake. Chapter 3, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and that you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So what's the lie? <laughs> well, the lie was, you shall judge for yourself. You're not, you're not going to be in a position that God, like a child, having good and evil dictated to you. The lie was, the privileges of autonomy or independence of mature adulthood before they learn discernment, submission to God, and to achieve this by the way of disobedience, rebellion. Basically, at the end of the day, the lie was, do it your way. Don't wait. Take it now. So you see the picture of, of grabbing the fruit. You know, it's so easy to believe a lie when you're not walking with the Father. 
you know, you know, just on a side note, if you're visiting with us today, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Um, you know, sometimes we just have family talk, and, and sometimes you just got to talk family. And it's like, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people, you know, help them become disciples, discipling the nations, our responsibility as disciples to help people become disciples. And once you have someone who becomes a disciple, you know, they repent, they get baptized. Hey, they're a disciple. Okay, let's move forward. Let's go disciple the nations. And then you talk to someone who's maybe not doing that well. You know, a question I always, I, a lot of times I ask, are you reading? Are you, are you reading? And you know, almost always, no, I'm not reading. <laughs> it's like bad doby, bad doby. I mean, okay, some of you are not in touch with, you know, our culture. Amen. So, so it's just like, I'm not walking with the Father. I'm not walking with God. And and so I'm not doing well spiritually. Well, of course you're not doing well spiritually because you're not walking. You know, theologically, some people like to say, well, look at the woman did. And and that's bad theology because it's, look what they did. Adam was right next to Eve. And she started to talk to a snake that he named. (laughs) He knew who the snake was. He knew the danger. But he was silent. Lack of responsibility. He was the one that was commanded. But he chose Eve over God. He chose his will over God. And then you see Eve. Man, she saw it and like, man, this desire, it's, it, it's good. It's, I want this. And it's good for knowledge. It's good to make one wise. It looks tasty. And so she ate and then handed it to him. I mean, I tell you, we, you know, we live in a time right now. It, it is, it's a difficult time to be in the United States because we're bombarded by desire. I mean, it's bad enough a Sunday paper and a third of it is advertisements. But now you're getting on your emails. And if you don't unsubscribe, you're just always going to keep getting these emails. Buy this, buy this, buy this. I mean, you watch TV and every third commercial is buy a new car. Make her happy. Make both of you happy. Buy a car that you can't afford. But you'll look good. You'll, you'll drive those seven miles in style. And then you'll go park it in your garage for the next eight hours. But you're going to be in debt. And you're going to be enslaved. And then you're not going to be able to do the things you know you ought to do with your money. Because of desire. So they ate. They bit. You know, and it's frustrating in in this part. The frustrating thing is to understand is that this privilege, this ability, this wisdom could have been theirs with obedience. Adam and Eve were indeed destined to become like God. 
And becoming like God was not a bad thing or a bad desire. To rule creation was not bad. But it was to be achieved the same way that you see Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. They could have been like Jesus. You know, Adam and Eve did actually judge between good and evil, but their act of judgment was flawed and proved fatal. Then point number three, the fall. So the tree, the lie, the fall. We're going to have a new song. The tree, the law, the fall. Okay? Like Father, I know it's Father Abraham, but we'll have to call it something else. Father Abel or Father Cain or Father Adam. I don't know. So you have the fall. And you have the fall of someone falling out of the Garden of Eden. That's a really nice picture of falling. There you go. Now, you know, you can have some fun with this picture, but at the end of the day, I'm sure this is a dive, but it kind of gives you an illustration of falling out of paradise. So in chapter 3 and verse 8, sorry, I went beyond the, I went the wrong way. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, and this is the cool thing, God was looking for them. Where are you? That, it just Again, theologically, you think about that. God is looking for you. Where are you? We haven't talked in a while. And he said, I've heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave me. The woman who you gave to be with me. I'll say it three times for emphasis. That woman that you gave me. She gave me the fruit to eat, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The snake deceived me, and I ate it. You know, I just love it. Adam passes the buck. Eve passes the buck. The snake is like, Snake's not talking anymore for some reason, you know? (laughs) The fall. You know, there are immediate effects to the fall. The immediate effect to the fall was like this adrenaline rush. They see. They see. They knew. They knew they were naked. They were naked and they went and hid. Why? Why did they hide? Because they knew. They saw. And they didn't die. Or did they? So what happened? Well, they acted out of harmony. Remember the beginning of the the, the Eden? 
Everything's great. Everything's awesome. The, the, the trees, the river. I mean, everything was incredible. The relationships were incredible. Everything was going so well. And their eyes were open. The agreement, the unity, the goodness, the beauty. They stepped outside of God's commands and seeking autonomy for themselves, their way. They submitted to a creature that they should have ruled over. And recognizing their exposure, recognizing their vulnerability, recognizing their lack of glory, because that's what clothing represented, glory. They realized that in their immaturity, they had reached for a godliness or a godlikeness that they weren't ready for because they had not yet learned obedience. You know, it's kind of like a, a little kid that wants mommy or daddy's tools and devices and upon getting them, realizing that they don't know what to do with them and simply end up hurting themselves. You know, probably a good illustration of this is when my brother, my half-brother, Jason, was 16 years old. He got his driver's permit. And my dad called me. He said, Todd, I said, I'm thinking about getting Jason a, a uh, Ford Mustang V8. 16-year-old. And I had two things, two thoughts. One was, why didn't you give it to me? And after putting that out of my mind, I'm like, no, do not give him this car. He will kill himself. And it wasn't because of jealousy. It's because I know what a 16-year-old will do with a V8. He'll, he, he, literally, he'd be dead. How many, how many stories do we read in the newspapers when, when kids are out driving, they're going too fast, they're driving something that they shouldn't have. I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, when I learned how to drive, I learned how to drive in a Volkswagen van. For those of us who know what a Volkswagen van looked like, if you could get that thing over 65 miles an hour, good for you. And you couldn't take corners because you know it would flip over. <laughs> but see, Adam and Eve didn't want to learn discernment. You know, Paul says it in a different way in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. The heir, the heir, those who own everything have it, as long as he is a child is no different from a slave. Though he is owner of everything... But he is under guardians and stewards until the date set by his father. This was exactly where Adam and Eve were. They were children in the position of slaves or servants. But yet they have not yet entered into the promise. They first needed the schoolmaster of patience, obedience, and accepting responsibility. And then over a period of time, God would have issued greater freedom and greater glory. And in this freedom, because they learned discernment, they would have pursued a closer walk with God. 
they would have understood that submission to God's rule is a good and fitting thing. And they thus, hum- thus humbling themselves, they would have been exalted. But see, they chose actually to step out of and grasp at that glory. And they did achieve a kind of maturity of experience. And God even actually acknowledges it a little bit later in chapter 3 when he's talking to himself. He says, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. But that was said in a tragic way. That's just the short-term effects. You know the long-term effects? You see in the next chapter. What's the next story after biting in the apple, Adam and Eve? I mean, you know, they have the, the I don't want to call it the curse, because I don't think it's quite the curse. I think like, well, because you did this, this is what's going to happen. But the next story is Cain and Abel, their children. Both sons, both learn how to sacrifice. But see, God looked at Abel's sacrifice with, with he accepted it, regard. But he didn't Cain. Cain's face fell and he was angry. And because Cain chose the way of Adam and Eve, his heart was exposed even though God was willing to reason with him and talk to him and, and try to help him and give him wisdom by, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And, and, and you got to watch out for this because sin is crouching at your door. But what does he do? He kills his brother instead. And then chaos returns with, what have you done? You know, in the snake, you think about the snake for a second. They weren't alarmed. And they were talking to something they should have been concerned about. And you have to ask yourself, what snakes am I talking to? What lies am I allowing to invest in or talk to or think about? Is it a click of a mouse? Is it, is it maybe? <laughs> is it maybe spending time with people you shouldn't be? Maybe it's this or that. I don't know. I don't know. You know. But they were talking to a snake and they weren't concerned. They should have been. They should have been. Pity the fool. Pity the fool that doesn't have someone to pick them up when they fall. Do you have friends? Do you have friends walking with you? Are you open? You know, I appreciate Adam because when God says, where are you, he immediately piped up. Okay, amen, good. He did, he piped up. How's your walk with the Father? Rebellion in the midst of order. And we're all in the same boat, brothers and sisters. Well, we all have a choice. Choices. And most of us in this room, we've chosen to do it Jesus' way and not our way. 
because we realize our way doesn't work. Over and over and over again, I'm reminded my way doesn't work. I got to do it Jesus' way. And that's the only hope I have before chaos just takes me to a place that I don't want to be. I mean, imagine, imagine Cain and Abel, or Adam and Eve just living with the life of knowing their son murdered their other son. And if, you, and if you study that out, Cain and then, and then Lemek, and, and then you understand why then you get to Noah and God says, I'm grieved. Fascinating stuff. But now we're going to go to Jesus, our brother and our Lord. And I pray that as we take communion, we'll think about the life that he led. We'll think about the sacrifice, the shedding of his blood that allows us to approach the throne without embarrassment, without fear. Approach the throne in security, knowing that God loves us. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father God, we come to you now this time humbled and grateful for your love and your mercy. God, we pray that we'll learn. God, that we'll be open about the trees in our life, Father, we'll be open about the lies that we listen to. Now, God, Father, that we'll understand the consequences of the fall. Father, please help us to seek you. Help us to do it your way, not our way. We love you, and it's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.